Hello and welcome back to the Comic Books Matter podcast. I'm your host, Jesse, and with me today is another brilliant guest. Uh, he's an editor, host, and punching bag of Uppercut Crit. Uh, he's the snake with a little bit more cake. And the man <laughs> with the second hottest Final Fantasy takes, Andrew Cogswell. Hello. <laughs> hello, hello. That was very good. That Thanks, very, Andrew. Very... I, always, <laughs> I always struggle with uh, some of the guests' intros because you, like, with uh, Ty and, like, Monty, and even Jess to an extent, they put all their, like, real big memes in their profiles. Oh, yeah, for sure. And yours is, like, straight professional. And I'm like, hmm, what is Andrew? I mean, like? except for the first line being future corpse. But, I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah other than that, yeah, that's there. Are, it's all in there. Yeah. So. Um, I, I like the the man with the second uh, hot, hottest Final Fantasy takes because I feel like everybody uh, in the chat has, like, the number one spot that they're just fighting for. See, here's my Final Fantasy take. 15's bad. Um and the 13 series is uh it is what it is <laughs> and uh six is weird and weirdly paced and that's like right. that's the extent you know <laughs> but uh yeah. well andrew uh thank you for coming on today uh and i know we threw a few uh topics around but i know you were really excited for why the last man right yeah uh-huh um I don't, i'm not sure how to exactly jump into it but let's start with your kind of origin of how you got into comics and then let's like slowly oh. push into why. Okay. Um, so I'm a huge Coheed and Cambria fan. Okay. Um, I like where this is starting already. Yeah. Uh, I figured you would. And so when Coheed's fourth or third album came out, go to Apollo, I'm Burning Star 4, Volume 1 from Fear Through the Eyes of Madness. Um, they released a comic book accompaniment with it because all their stuff, with the exception of one album that hadn't come out yet at this point, um, mm-hmm. is concept based. And they were in the the singer Claudio Sanchez uh, was writing comic books to kind of go along with it. And it was a very dark uh, book, mm-hmm. and the art was incredible and i i wanted it so bad but i was like in high school i was poor as hell I, w- I, w- I wasn't able to work yet i was like 14 and my girlfriend at the time and i were walking around a mall and we found it and she's like i'm buying this for you you've wanted it for so long so that was my first comic book i ever owned um and i still have it it's actually a collector's piece now it's very hard to find well, uh did you read comic books before that or you're like oh no. my favorite band has a comic book i'm going buying comics that that one uh, no i had never read comic books before because okay so my big thing keeping me from comic books there is kind of two things one growing up very poor mm-hmm. um and comics are expensive and two to me as a kid and before really the coheed comic i had always thought of comic books as superheroes like that's just what they were there was nothing outside of that yeah uh, and to me superhero continuity was really intimidating um, because I mean, at that point, Spider-Man probably would have been around issue 550 or so, maybe mm-hmm. a little bit earlier, 500. Uh, X-Men was wherever X-Men was at, you know, the mid 2000s. Um, yeah. And so like, it's just really intimidating because like, I'm one of those people because I have a broken brain where I'm like, I want to know as much as humanly possible before I start reading something. Um, if I'm going to jump in the m- midway. Um, and that's why like 
Metal Gear Solid to me is like such a cool series because there's so much lore packed into like seven games. Um, and like I just eat lore up um, when I'm interested in the lore. So for me, superhero comic books were always intimidating because I was interested in the lore, but there was just so much. Yeah. Uh, and like the interconnectivity and just like the, the, um, God, the like event issue, like series, like Secret Invasion and stuff like that was just so much. So yeah, I never read comics growing up. Um, and that was my first one. So and, starting starting with the from the uh Coheed book, yeah. like did you did you just consume that and you're like, oh, this could be something else, and then you like sought out more, or did you just get that and you were good for a little bit? I was good for a little bit. Um I was um I was really big into music at the time. I was playing in a band, we were we were recording, we were putting we were playing shows, and I was in high school, early high school. So I was busy. Um I mean, like I had a serious girlfriend at the time. Um, so, yeah, I was busy. Like to me, comics like this was a one off thing. And then mm-hmm. 2009 rolls around and everyone is talking about this movie that's about to come out called Watchmen. OK. And I had never heard of Watchmen before, but it was being flagged as like, hey, this is one of the greatest comic books of all time. Like it was on the New York Times bestseller. It's one of Times like most 50 most important or 100 most important books you need to read, whatever. And the movie was coming out. And a lot of my friends had started reading it because of that because they wanted to read it before the movie came out. And the movie came out beginning of May of 2009. My birthday is April, beginning of April. So for my birthday, my girlfriend at the time, my now wife, um, before we were even dating, got me my first copy of Watchmen. So my first two comic books were not bought by me. They were bought by girlfriends or uh, a girlfriend and a friend at the time. Yeah. Uh, And yeah, so I read Watchmen and I was like, this is really cool. Um, It's superheroes, but it's self-contained. And that was kind of the beginning to me of like, the superhero or the comic book movie. Cause like we had had Spider-Man and stuff before that, but like this was the first one that I felt like was like the comic book was accessible mm-hmm. in a yeah. way. Sure. Uh, Cause once again, it was self-contained. Um, Cause I had seen like X-Men. I remember seeing X-Men for like my birthday one year. I remember seeing the first Spider-Man for my birthday with a couple of friends uh, when I was like 11. Um, so like I had seen them before, but this was the first one where I was like, people are reading these books. People are wanting to get involved in this medium. Um, so yeah. And then I took another couple of years off. And then in college, I was playing D and D every week, one summer at a the place called the fantasy shop in St. Louis, where I was living and they had a comic section. And I asked the clerk, I'm like, Hey, I don't want superhero stuff. I want something kind of dark and like horror based. He's like, all right, cool um check this out and he handed me scott snyder's american vampire and it took off from there um i kept up with american vampire i started getting into superheroes uh because of friends like helping me like showing me what i need to learn i started working at a comic book store um yeah so it kind of just took off from there I never, I ne- like, I mean, not to say I know everything about you, but I never knew that you <laughs> dabbled into the com- working at a comic book store. 
Yeah, so I mean, it was a comic book store in the fact that we sold comic books um, and yeah. like trades, but it was a place called Hastings. It no longer exists. Uh, it closed shortly after I was fired from there, uh, a couple years after. Um, but they sold books, movies, CDs, comics, and video games. Um, it was like I always described it as if like Spencer's and uh, Barnes and Noble had a baby, and Blockbuster and GameStop had a baby, and then those two babies had a baby. And that's why it failed. Well, I mean, yeah, it, that and just like, yeah, there was a lot of reasons why it failed. But I mean, like, it was a great store. It was really cool, especially because like being in the middle of small town Missouri, like that was the only place to get um, comics and games um, that wasn't like Walmart. Um, in fact, I found a lot of pretty rare issues digging through their backlog. Like I found a copy of Spider-Man 700 where Peter Parker uh, dies and Otto takes over. Mm-hmm. For the superior Spider-Man run, like I have, I have a variant copy of that that's worth at least a hundred bucks because just they had ordered it and nobody bought it because it was a small yeah. town that nope that didn't care about comic books. Like I have a few of those where like I got super lucky with some rare books. So I mean, yeah, that that's honestly one of my biggest joys of like digging through like thrift stores or like antique. Mm-hmm. They're like we just have comics, buy five for a dollar. I'm like, you guys don't know what might be in here. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I think between my my floppy issues and my trades, I think I have a close to 200 concurrent issues of Spider-Man, like one, like 200 straight issues. Um, and that's including going through all of Superior Spider-Man and back into Amazing when they restarted that when Peter came back. So I think my closest something like that is either Teen Titans or um, Batman. I think I have pretty close to a really long run of that. Um, but how did, so through that, how did you get to why the last man? I got to why the last man because God, I'm trying to remember. So I was, I was exploring, um, vertigo stuff. Cause it's vertigo, right? It's been yeah, a while. Yeah. I'm looking at the book right now. Yeah. It's vertigo. Um, I was looking into vertigo stuff and cause like I was coming off of finishing American vampire. Um, and I was like, I want more, stuff like that and it was at a point in time where like i'm realizing now that the media i consume all is like very like into into each other like they connect really well so my chemical romances danger days the true life of the fabulous go joys album had just come out um i had just started getting into stuff like 28 days later and um not it follows i will never watch that movie i'm trying i can't remember the other um but like all this post-apocalyptic stuff um, yeah, what, what would be related to 28 days later it was it was like a movie from the 80s where people put on their sunglasses and they see like the truth oh, they live yeah they live there it is yeah. um it's similar to they follow or it follows i mean uh, yeah, just two sense. little words <laughs> that's why uh, i was has that, what, that five minute fight scene between Roddy writer piper and uh keith david yeah yeah um, so I was watching stuff like that. I was getting really into post-apocalyptic stuff. Um, I was writing my own post-apocalyptic short story for um, a creative writing class in college. And I was looking up good post-apocalyptic um, comic books. And obviously Walking Dead was on there. I was like, don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, I had read the first trade. And I was like, that was cool. I'm done. I like, I don't, I don't, I don't vibe with zombies um, that much. And didn't, it, yeah, it just wasn't my thing. Um, and then why the last man was on there and that would start, um, 
once again, I was in college, so I was poor. So that was me. Like I was adding comic books to my Christmas list. Um, and Barnes and Noble, which runs this great deal around Christmas time, buy two, get one free. Yeah. Um, so my mother-in-law being rad as hell, um, bought me the first three hardback, like deluxe editions, oh, wow. like just off the bat. Well, yeah, for Christmas. Yeah. So I had a, like, I right away had like three huge books to read and I ended up saving money through co- like throughout college and like working a little bit extra to buy the last two hardback volumes. I wanted to get them before they stopped printing them and went to trades. Yeah. Um, so I have all five deluxe edition books. Wow. Um, yeah. Which I love. Um, but yeah, that's how I, that's how I found uh, why the last man is just from wanting to consume more post-apocalyptic content and just Googling good post-apocalyptic books or comic books. So, so yeah. then the moving on to in, into the Wild Last Man, um, you you brought it. That was the first thing you want to talk about, and so yeah, to me it makes you feel like that there's a lot more to how that story touched you than uh, anything else in that time. I mean, I I mean, I'm not sure. Like, I know my chemical romance is a different story, but like <laughs> the idea that the post-apocalyptic story itself could just carry along with you the whole time. Because for me, anything post-apocalyptic tends to just kind of be like, oh, that was cool, and I move along. Um, I never really get attached to anything like that because kind of we're living in it all the time. Um, yeah. So what what exactly about Why the Last Man? Like, what about it still carries with you, and why did you, like, jump into it? I guess we probably should explain what Why the Last Man is first. Yeah, <laughs> probably. <laughs> I was like, what is the book? Yeah. Um so Why the Last Man is the story of a young man in New York named Yorick Brown, who um, is the last man on Earth um, because something happens that you you learn what happens throughout the course of the series um, that kills off every mammal with a Y chromosome except for Yorick and his pet monkey, Amberstand. Um, and it's Yorick's journey to do a couple of things. One, to figure out what happened. Um, and two, to find his girlfriend slash fiance that he proposed to as the apocalypse hit. Like mm-hmm. literally the second he asked her to marry her or marry him. This happens in, like the first issue. I'm not spoiling anything, dear listener. Um, as soon as he asked that question, like the phone line dies because the apocalypse hits and all the men are killed. Um, and like, it does this really cool thing at the beginning. I think the first issue where like it lists off stats. It's like 90% of the world leaders are dead. Um, and there's 13 people in the house. Cause this is like set in 2002, 13 mm-hmm. people in the house of representatives and like 25 in the Senate um, or Congress or whatever. I always get these mixed up um, because everyone else, all the other ones are dudes. Like, out of the top fortune 500 companies 495 of the ceos are dead um and like it goes through this very very like eye-opening uh like stat page of like hey the world went to hell in a handbasket because all the dudes died um and york is not a successful man like he's an amateur escape artist slash magician um who's struggling to find work because he got an english degree like me, um, who also struggled to find work for a very long time. So, nah, I'm right there with you. Yeah. Um, and, and like, I've only read the first uh, deluxe hardback. 
Okay. I never got further just because I didn't have the money to buy it because it was also a gift from me when I got it. Fair. Um, and I have a bad habit of just buying the first hardcover or trade paperback and just forgetting to buy the rest. Yeah. Um, but the idea too with York is like he's not like the best person either. I mean, like it's not like he's like a, a scumbag, but he's also he's like he's you when you usually have post-apocalyptic characters, they're either one of two categories. They're just the worst of the worst. Mm-hmm. Or they're kind of like superhuman in a way about how they like handle things. Yeah. And York is very much like the middleman of both of those fields. Yeah. Um, so <sighs> York is an everyman, a hundred percent. You're right. Mm-hmm. Um, and the superhuman that role is kind of taken by a character named agent three, five, five. Um, who is a member of the Culper Ring, which is the president's like elite, elite, elite secret service, um, who is charged with escorting Yorick to find the doctor or doctor who could potentially figure out what's going on with him and why he's still alive, and also eventually to his fiance Beth. Um, and their relationship is really great throughout the book because they start out absolutely hating each other and like they still they like they butt heads regularly but you can tell like as you read through the book like their relationship develops and like they become friends Mm -hmm. um and like it feels earnest and real um which is nice because um a lot of post-apocalyptic stuff can feel forced uh as far as character development and like interactions and how relationships develop but um bragging vaughn who wrote the who wrote the series and is actually my favorite comic writer um, does an excellent job of like developing uh, mm-hmm. uh, relationships in the book, um, not just between three, five, five and New York, but also between York and Dr. Man, York and his sister hero, um, York and his girlfriend, fiance, Beth, like all these characters um, and how they all interweave with each other is really great. And, and so with uh white last man, I think they're, there's a lot of themes of um at least again this is just for my memory mm-hmm. the themes of like survivor's guilt um yeah struggling with uh like a massive responsibility that you are just unprepared for and yeah then, and at the same time on like the opposite side of that people who are alive of well now we're here what do we do with this yeah, I so I remember when I was reading the books for the first time, I was flying home from California back to Missouri um, and I had gotten the books for Christmas. I had already finished book one, so I was on book three, I think. No, book two, um, because I just re- reread the arc I want to talk about um, right before mm-hmm. reading um, I was reading an arc on the plane and the arc is called safe word um it's issues 18 mm-hmm. and 20 in book two and i don't want to get too into it because you haven't read it yet but it does it deals with survivor's guilt and um york being forced to confront his depression and his um his recklessness in a way that as a 20 20 21 year old had uh, who hadn't admitted that they were depressed or gotten help um 
resonated with me. Like I remember reading that on the plane home and one is very graphic. So like trying to, you know, I'm reading on the plane. I'm trying to like lean towards the, the planes, um, yeah. like the window. So I'm like, nobody else can see what I'm reading because yeah, it's very graphic. Um, it resonated with me and it was the first, it was the first time. It, so that's issues 18, 19, 20. I mean, in a 60 ep- or a 60 issue series, um, that was the first time I was like, Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Like this is dealing with something. This is going somewhere and going deep into it in a way I wasn't expecting. Um, rereading it now, uh, all seven, eight years later. Um, it doesn't hit me as hard. Um, despite me having forgot kind of what had happened, I reread it just so I could talk about it. Um, but I still think it does a good job. Um, yeah. I just don't think I'm as, I'm as impressed with it as I was then. And I think that's just part of it, me, me just being older and like in a different state of mind. Um, and like media as a whole has kind of expanded uh, in a way where it's like, um, yeah, there's a lot, there's plenty of things that handle things uh, really poorly, but I think there's a gravity or um, gravity, uh, gravitas to me. Yeah. Now that just it wasn't really there in the mid early 2000s. And that's that's something I want to bring up really quick, because I, I feel like we'd be rem- I'd be remiss not to t- mention it. Um, when I first read the series, I was not as aware of. Um, social justice issues and societal issues as I am now um, mm-hmm. and like perspective and stuff like that. Um, I'd be remiss to say that this these books do um, not handle transgender issues super well in the um, one part I read that dealt with that. Um, Mm -hmm. And also there are, there's some harsh language in regards to uh, homosexuality. Um, Not in like a disparaging way, but just like slurs that are not great. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think they're used with malice or intent by the author. Um, but it is jarring looking back and being like, oh, wow, I completely missed this the first time because I just didn't think about it. Um, I mean, it's the same. Uh, it, it's the same issue right now with uh, they're having with Sandman because they're trying to adapt it to a to Netflix. And yeah. there's a lot of things in Sandman. Sandman was written in the 90s. Yeah. Like just things that are are just different. Overall. Yeah. Like. The 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 it's weird saying things are different because they really should be the same. they should have been what they are now in a lot of ways yeah but just progression is progression um and the idea is people are like oh man they're trying to cancel Sandman where Neil Gaiman himself is like I'm trying to update it to the 21st century or the 21st century and try to make sure I I fix the mistakes I made in the past because yeah you learn and yeah not let the artist go back and change it every once in a while, especially if they're readapting, not going back and just editing the text, but since they're readapting it, the idea of letting it be exactly the same always sits wrong with me, but at the same time, changing the original text also feels wrong. Like there has to be a balance with that. And Mm -hmm. I feel like it, as long as you can go back to something you love and see, Hey, these are still, these are wrong. Now you can find the enjoyment still from the thing you loved is acknowledging its flaws. Oh, 100%. I, and I completely agree. It just, it was shocking to me rereading some sections and being like, oh, wow. Um, and like, like I said, I don't think it was ever done with ill intent by Vaughn at all. Um, I don't think it was in, 
intentionally transphobic or homophobic. I just think that it wasn't as well thought out as it would have been now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just that's just ignorance. Um, I would assume uh, because of the times and like that's obviously not. I mean, we we have to look back at media as a product of its time um, within reason. Um, yeah. Like there's obviously some things that are just unacceptable. Um, yeah. 100%, but I think we, we both can agree too. like, no matter who your favorite creator is or um, artist is in any way, they're going to fail you at some point, either you going back and looking at what they made that you loved or just in the future. At some point, those artists will, will fail just because they're human. And also everybody has their own way of progressing. And sometimes you progress past the things you love. Yeah, I I mean, I don't know if I would say everyone will. I'd like to, I, I hold out hope that there are people and creators that won't. Uh, but I'm not surprised when they do. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, have the, I, the only I think that's a healthier way to like, look at it. Yeah, the only reason I push the idea that everybody will at some point is so when that happens, it doesn't become either a blame game or of a life ruining thing in a lot of ways. Um, Cause I feel like, especially for myself, maybe this is just probably from my personal experiences with these things where it's like, Oh, this person, I built my whole entire like idea of uh, qual- like good uh, things for the world. <laughs> and all, mm-hmm. either they're terrible or I went back and like, oh, these things are actually really, really bad <laughs> in a lot yeah. of ways. And yeah. it, it's always a dangerous balance. It is. I mean, it's it's hard because like, uh, I mean, I, I we could we could talk about this for forever. But like oh, one yeah. of my one of my favorite bands is was I have very, very bad conflicting emotions about it is brand new. And the things Jesse Lacey has been accused of doing and they are a fucking horrible. Um, mm-hmm it's yeah it's it's a whole thing um it's very hard to listen to their music now but their music will always mean something to me um Mm -hmm. and it's it's easier to go back and listen to the songs now some of the songs now and be like oh this does not sit right with me anymore um but yeah um yeah i just i felt like with with why the last man particular like i need to I, i the last thing I would want to do is like just brush over that and say like, oh, hey, yeah. like everything's perfect. This is a great book. Um, but I still think it's a fantastic read. Um, it, it introduced me to Brian K. Vaughn, who, along with Saga, um, are two of my favorite books, if not my two favorite books um, with Wild Art, with uh, American Vampire being up there as well. Um, and so. I think about K. Vaughn, like even if you don't like the idea of a post-apocalyptic story, um, is he writes like every genre at some point. Oh yeah, like, for sure. I mean, saga, sci-fi, saga, sci-fi. Yeah. Like, sci-fi, like sci-fi. Yeah. I, uh, he wrote, he's written basically stranger things, but what if it was great and all women? Um, yeah. I forgot he did paper girls. Like, yeah. Oh, I think I lost you. Baghdad, I believe. No, lying to Baghdad. Pride of Baghdad. Wait, can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. Pride about, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, but like he's all over the place. So even if White Last Man isn't your taste, I think I think he's a good 
uh, author to find something in his uh, bibliography and like jump into. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think he he tackles things for the most part very well, um, and he's one of those. He's one of the few uh, write, comic book writers that if he's got something coming out, I'll at least like take a passing glance at it just because of the name attached to it. Um, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people that way with Jeff Johns. Um, I have, I mean, I like Jeff Johns enough, but um, there's some stuff that, that, like I'm not, I'm not as into like the superhero thing. Um, yeah, for sure. As I, as I used to be um, because for a while I really was. And I just, after God DC rebirth, I yeah, just fell off <laughs> real hard. Um, I tried keeping up with everything. And I just couldn't. And I just. But like so, uh, like me for the independent market, I'm always jumping on whatever Lemire's doing. Yeah, that's fair. Like, he's my favorite Canadian, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but like I, I look at my shelf and I'm like, oh, yeah, I got this one and this one and this one and this one. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big faction fan, too. Uh, Sex yeah, Criminals is great. Uh, yeah. And even within the uh, fraction, you got like the family of fraction, which you got Kelly Sue doing her independent stuff. Mm-hmm. You have uh chip doing his, he has like a horror book coming out soon. That looks really weird. Nice. Uh, so yeah, like the independent market is like people like to say the independent market's dying in weird ways. I don't know why, but there's so many things for you to find. And what's really wild is like, it's shifted from being just only adult books to being mm-hmm. a good mix of young adult books within it. For sure. So like now it's really just a playing field for everybody. Yeah. I I mean, here's the thing is, is like people have been saying the comic book industry is dying in various forms for decades. And yeah, to some extent it is. I mean, it's not doing as well as it was at one point. I mean, the Avengers and MCU kind of helped bolster that a little bit. And then it went back down again. Uh, But I mean, people are always going to say like, oh, this part of the industry is dying or this whole industry is dying. And it's like, yeah, like it, it, there will always, for the most part, there will always be a market for it. You know what I mean? Um, will things change and will things start going digital? Uh, maybe. Um, will stuff like independent, the independent market be kind of forced to go digital because printing costs get too high um, to make back money on it? Maybe. I mean, there's a lot of things at play, but I mean, People have been like doomsday talking the industry for a really long time. So it is what it is. Yeah. Um, so back to why the last man though. Um, yeah. What, what, what I mean, the show is, tan- is called, it should be just called tangents. Um, but uh, what about you think why? Cause I know you said you went back to it and it didn't impact you as hard, but it's like, you went back to it. That's the thing. Like yeah. I have a big enough collection that I can't go back to everything. Yeah. But there are books that oh, I keep going back to like yearly. And why is why one of those books that sticks with you so hard? So for a couple of reasons, um, one, I, I think it tells a really great self-contained story. I think it was really important for the time that I discovered it, like in my life. Um, I was also the first person that like out of my friend. Group you, that, oh, can you hear me? Hello? Yeah, you're back. Okay. Um, I'll just, I'll go, I'll go back a little bit because I don't know where it cut off. But um, for me, like, why the last man was important in the time of my life when I discovered it. Um, and I think it tells us a really great self-contained story. And 
in my friend group that reads comics, I was the only one that was really pushing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, I know I, I, I hate claiming over ownership over proper or like, like creative works and stuff like that. But like, it felt like mine, you know, like I was, I was yeah. the one that was like, read this. It's so good. It's so good. And like, uh, I got Jess to read it. She loved it. Um, I got a few other friends to read it because a lot of my friends don't read comics. Um, but I even got one friend that doesn't read comics to read it and to buy the whole series. I mean, he bought the trades. Um, so it was a little bit cheaper for him than it was for me, but, uh, yeah, he doesn't really read comics and he, he enjoyed it. And, Excuse me. That's okay. I uh, really liked it. So for me, like the the series that were formative, like I kind of talked about earlier for my for my comic book like life were American Vampire, then Why the Last Man, then Saga. Because um, I was also a very early adopter of Saga, um, which is another Brian K. Vaughn book. Um, so like those are my big, th- those are like my big three. Um, yeah. As far as like pillars of my comic book history, um, despite what I talked about with Watchmen and the Coheed book, like those will be my three series. Um, always. And do, uh, you, do you feel like why or even those other two series have influenced them, the media you consume now in any way? Um, yes and no. So I don't like horror um all that much i like the idea of horror i just don't like consuming it um so when i wanted to do american vampire i was looking i I was i was 18 19 i was looking for something a little bit more mature and grown up that wasn't like said superhero-y so i liked the i liked i liked american vampire for that reason and that got me turned on to scott snyder in general which then (laughs) led to me loving his Batman run and collecting almost every sing- I think I have just about every single issue from that run um, except for maybe like the, maybe the first six issues which sucks uh, I, I'm luckily I have the very first issue I what's funny is I was working at the comic book store when the first issue launched and I didn't pick it up because I wasn't collecting single issues at the time I was strictly a trade paperback person it uh it was when we ha- like I wasn't working I was still very young um or maybe <laughs> maybe I wasn't uh, it was like right before I graduated okay. and my dad's job was uh not as profitable as it was before so we didn't pick up comics like we used to yeah um and so the one week he's like let's just go pick up some new books it was literally the launch week of the new fifty two oh. so I got like two or three of the ultra rare number ones just because yeah. I was there when they were on the shelf. Yep. What's what's funny is like I saw Batman number one. It was on the shelf for weeks because once again, like this was a small yeah. store. Um, but they also had like an online portal where you buy stuff. And if store near you didn't have it, they would chip it. Oh, excuse me. I don't know why I'm yawning so much. Um, they would chip it. So it didn't stay very long, but it was there for a few weeks. I could have grabbed it, but I never did. Um, beat that my first printing a killing joke are like my two prizes. Oh, you have first printing a killing joke. Interesting. Yeah, I just found that in an antique shop, and I'm like, is this a first printing? And then I like check, double check copyrights and color of the cover, mm-hmm. and I'm like, yeah, this is. Damn, that's really cool. Um, but yeah, so American Vampire led me down uh, Snyder's run, and then Why the Last Man got me into Brian K. Vaughn, which got me into Saga. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't know if it impacts the media I consume because my brain jumps from things I enjoy to things I enjoy. I think Saga is a better story than Star Wars. Um, yeah. But I'm also like the resident Star Wars hater. I don't hate Star Wars. I just don't care for it as much as everyone yeah. else. Um, At Uppercut. I, I appreciate that Uppercut, but in just in general, the community of Uppercut. If you just are like blase about something, you're the hater of the thing. Yeah. Which Unless it, you're a staunch hater like Glenn is about Final Fantasy. Yeah, I'll fight Glenn to the death. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think those have impacted. I don't, and this isn't like the fun answer, but I don't think they've impacted the media I consume because uh, the I mean, well, I'm I'm curious, like the you talk about how uh, well, maybe you didn't talk about this, but like the idea of the level of storytelling that especially some of these prestige books give you. Yeah. Did you see yourself seeking out stories that like at least hit those levels? I mean, I was always, I mean, I think they're more of a result of wanting prestige storytelling as opposed to being the cause of me seeking it out. I mean, okay. my, my favorite video game from the time I was 10 uh, was Final Fantasy IX, uh, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, is it the greatest storytelling in the world? No, I'm not going to lie to you and say it is but like when you know when most people that age are playing and still playing like mario 64 which great game don't get me wrong (laughs) um but like platformers or or you know goldeneye or whatever you know like i'm sitting here reading a, a or playing a game that is like a tribute to shakespeare yeah, and I'm not I'm like, and I hate saying that because like I I don't want to sound hoity-toity um and like lift my nose up, but like for video games, I've always been a story person. Like that's been mm-hmm. ingrained. Like yeah, some of my favorite games are like Super Mario World is great, the Crash games, the Spyro games. Like yes, I love those games. Like they mean a lot to me. But I love deep, impactful story-based games. Um, yeah. So I think when I realized comics could do that it led me to these three series as opposed to the other way around yeah that makes Um, sense i think yeah i think they're a result rather than like the cause um yeah because i mean it's just deep stories have always been a thing for me i i got an english degree and at one point i wanted to be a writer and i was a journalist at one point like storytelling is important um so yeah i think that's what drew me to them and that's in that the last part you talked about just briefly. I don't know how much you still do any like creative writing in any way, but do, do you feel like you at least are influenced by somewhat of the way these these writers create their stories? Or do you think that just is like just an amalgam of everything you've enjoyed? I mean, I think it's an amalgam, but I mean, like right now for some of my uh, old high school buddies, we have game night every Monday night. Um, and when quarantine started, one of them was like, hey, we should do a a TTRPG. And I am the only one out of the five of what uh, I take that back. I'm the one out of the five of us that's been playing TTRPGs the longest. Um, mm-hmm. One has literally never played them. The other one has played one session and that was with me in college. And the other two, I introduced to TTRPGs and they've since gone off and like found other groups and played with. And 
so when that was brought up and we all kind of were like, yeah, that'd be fun. I was kind of elected DM, which is fine. I've DM'd before. Um, Forever DM. What's that? <laughs> so you're you're becoming a forever DM. I mean, I, I have been for years just because like I've kind of like I taught most of that group how to play. Um, and I've taught, I mean, Jess and I first played together. We taught her little sisters. I taught other friends in college, stuff like that. Um, but I wanted to kind of do something gross and fun and like <laughs> horror based. And so like visualizing stuff from like American vampire and even witches, which is another Scott Snyder horror comic with jock. Um, yeah, I mean that, that, I mean that definitely inspires it. Um, and yeah, I, I just like wanting to craft well-constructed stories and, you know, characters i mean that takes a lot of work especially when you're doing a lot of improv with yeah for sure four other people in my case um but yeah i mean like the themes uh, i mean the first encounter or not encounter but the first like arc they just did like we just wrapped up was they killed a vampire um and so yeah i mean there's there's definitely some american vampire in there to an extent uh, like i said a lot of like my mental images of vampires and horror because i'm not a horror person comes from american vampire and witches yeah um so yeah I, yeah i would say there's there's some there i mean it definitely is an amalgam of stuff though i mean like stuff like the adventure zone the first uh campaign they did balance like completely turned storytelling on its head for me especially D storytelling yeah uh, so like stuff like stuff like that is pulled um in any writing i do um yeah i mean it's it's i i'm it's important to take influences where you can get them um Mm -hmm. and for me um like i wrote so to go to to kind of tie this in the why the last man my senior thesis for my college program uh for my bachelor's was to talk about adaptation um in any medium and do a like present a project on adaptation um and so i wrote the first episode of a why last man show like i wrote the pilot episode yeah um like the whole thing um i wrote out uh director's notes and like camera angles and lighting as much as i knew how to do um and I presented that at a panel um, and actually had a sc- uh, not a screenwriter, a uh, TV writer for, oh God, I don't remember what show, but she was in the panel um, or she was in the audience. Um, and I, I, like, I had met her earlier that day at a lunch with a teacher or a, a professor that I had and she said what she did I was like hey i'm doing a presentation on this later if you want to come and she came by and like i talked to her afterwards and she's like that was awesome like i've never heard of this like i'm interested in this um because yeah i wrote out script uh, like a 30 page 40 page script um for my senior thesis project on why the last man and now andrew's the showrunner for the fx show dude i no, I don't wish. That sounds like a lot of stress that I am not qualified to handle. <laughs> I used to write a lot of that show. What's that? 
they seem like they're having a hard time with that show. Yeah, I I'm confident it's never going to happen. Um, they say it is, but I'm very confident it's never going to happen, um, especially with the pandemic. Yeah, but, but yeah, that's just going to break a lot of things that were in production. Yeah. Um, moving on uh, from a while last band, just some questions uh, yep. that I came up with. Um, how do you how do you think comics challenge you or readers in general versus like other mediums? I think so like as a, as a person who's interested in like the art of storytelling, I think mm-hmm. it challenges me in maybe a different way in that like the way especially single issue comics if you're reading them the issue to issue as opposed to in collect in collections, the way things are paced has to be so perfect. Mm-hmm. Um and so for me, as I'm, especially like I said, when I'm reading single issues, because it's harder to kind of notice when you're reading trades, because it's like binging a show. Um, when I'm reading issue to issue, um, I really savor the last couple pages and the first few pages because of how they have to push you and engage you to pick up the next issue, but also, you know, two weeks, a month later those first couple pages need to ignite that spark of this is what was going on. Yeah. Um, and especially for somebody with memory issues, like to me, that's a huge thing. So. And uh, I, don't, I don't know if you uh, agree with this too, because I, I know you enjoy film a lot. Yeah. And I think about comics in some ways as a film, but a film that's stagnant or uh, stationary. Yeah. And the idea is to create the action with uh stationary static pages is really fascinating because for the most part unless it's uh like a really big graphic novel um it's like an episode of a tv show or a short film and sometimes that gets really pulled off really well it feels like oh yeah this just feels like a mini movie that i'm flipping through yeah i think yeah and i think that that has to do with like the collaboration between artist and writer yeah. Like when you find two that are so in sync with each other, um, it's on another level. Um, but when you have two people who just do not work well together and not even talking about like personally, just like mm-hmm. their final product does not mesh well, it's very apparent. Um, and there's definitely levels of quality there. And it's not even like their work is bad. It's just they don't fit together. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I totally agree with that. Uh, uh, next question is, uh, <laughs> are you the Star Lord of Uppercut or more of the Thor of Uppercut? Um, that's a very good question. I don't think I'm the Star Lord. Wait, hold on. Crap. I might be. I'm strictly talking MCU here because I'm more. Yeah, yeah. With I was them. talking MCU. Okay. I think I'm a good amalgam of the two. Yeah. Uh, because I don't take anything seriously. Um, like Star Lord. But I'm also competent when I want to be like Thor. I was gonna, I was gonna throw an Iron Man, and I decided that Kayla was definitely the Iron Man. Yeah, it's that's definitely not me. No, it couldn't yeah. be me. Uh-uh. Um, uh, is there a writer or an artist that you would just love to sit down and talk with just about the creative process or like the, like the idea process with? Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, and it counts because they've technically written a comic book. 
uh, Griffin McElroy. Okay, yeah, I guess, yeah, for sure, I can see that. Uh, um, he's, been, he's been a few now at this point. This, uh, the third one just came out last week. Um, yeah, and they got that Marvel one too, where they all wrote it. They did, yeah, Journey into Mystery. Uh, that was mostly their dad, I think, that had yeah, headed that yeah. up. But, uh, like I mentioned, the Adventure Zone earlier, specifically the balance arc, like the balance arc is one of my favorite pieces of fiction of all time. It's very, very uh, good. Is incredible. Um, to the point where like I'm getting a balance tattoo as soon as this pandemic is over. There's uh, one arc I don't like, and that's the reason I have to say it's very, very good. Which one? I do not like uh the suffering. Is it a suffering game? Is that the name? The of suffering it? game. Yeah, I don't like the suffering game. Interesting. Because that's not my least favorite one. It's not my favorite one, but it's not my least favorite. My least favorite it's, is Crystal Kingdom. Crystal Kingdom, I think, was the first uh uh I guess the first arc where I'm like, oh, He's really trying to do something here. Yeah, and I think I think that it was just jarring. Yeah, um, and it was also so, like I binged I, that show. Yeah, me um, too. Okay, so by the time I had gotten to Crystal Kingdom, I was like, oh god, I'm getting very tired of this. Um, and that was right when that turn started to happen. Of oh, this is leading to something, and I think it was very hard for me to care that it was leaning towards something when I was mm-hmm. getting burnt out on it. But like, I took a couple of weeks off, and I was reignited, and yeah. Yes, suffering him. I know it was kind of the point, but I his idea of like, oh, let's just put my brothers and my father through a hell um, yeah. was just kind of exhausting in a lot of ways. And then right That's after fair. that, it's the Forgotten Century, which is also a little bit exhausting, but less so. I love the Forgotten or the Stolen Century. The I Stolen love Century, yeah. it. Like it, it's a it's really good, but like it's so long, and I think the suffering him is also very long that they both kind of like wore me out near the end but then brought me back at the very 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 that's fair i think um the lunar interlude gap between um suffering games and uh stolen century i think is some of the best examples of pieces falling into place Mm -hmm. um that i've seen in a maybe ever if not in a very long time um, and with your with your choice though for Griffin being uh, the person you want to talk to, it kind of fits into the next question. Okay, because it's happening more and more, especially with like more recent announcements. How mm-hmm. do you feel about celebrities writing comics? Um, now, there's kind of like two ways to think about this. You have like mm-hmm. the J.J. Abrams route, where it seems like it's just nepotism. Yeah, <laughs> well, 100%. him being his son to write Spider-Man, mm-hmm. um, versus kind of the Keanu Reeves route, where he's like, "Well, I have this character that I want." Um. um and I like, is there, is there any time where it doesn't feel kind of weird? No, not, not to me. Cause like with, especially cause like I'm, I'm fairly far removed from like the day to day comic book industry stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to happen whether I care or not, which is kind yeah. of a defeatist sure. look at it, I guess. Um, and if I'm not interested, I'm not interested in it, you know, like, I used to be a big, I used to follow Spider Spider Man um, mm-hmm. for for a while for a couple of years, and if they were like, all right, Dan Slot's leaving because I was the last artist or writer I read. Um, and Slott's, Nick Spencer's coming on. <laughs> well, if it was like, and then we're gonna have Nicolas Cage right afterwards, I'd be like, what, what, like this sucks. Um, I would be but, curious to see what Nicolas Cage Spider Man's like. 
Yeah, like, I mean, it, and that's the thing, too, is, like, it could be good. Who am I to say okay. that they can't write a comic book just because they're already famous? You know what I mean? Um, that said, the J.J. Abrams shit is very nepotism. <laughs> well, very much. The, the idea that it's him and his son, you're like, no, you got your son the chance to write Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, exactly. But, but I also think about, like, uh, <laughs> this is the weirdest one. Taboo from uh, Black Eyed Peas. Did he write one? He just he got a mini series of Werewolf by Night by Marvel recently. I mean, you know what? More yeah. power to him. I mean, yeah, like if I so if I were to be mad about that, we would have never gotten Umbrella Academy. Fair. Um, we would have never gotten Polarity. We would never have gotten Worst X Men ever. Um, like never so, gotten a pretty decent Moonlight Moonlight run. I never read his Moonlight run. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, like, I can't be mad about that because, like, those things were great books. And, yeah, I mean, those wouldn't exist if I was anti-celebrity authors. Um, well, that's all the questions I had written. Uh, Andrew, okay. where could people find your content or, or, like, where could they reach you on social media? Uh, I'm on social media at Cogs the Well, C-O-G-S-T-H-E-W-E-L-L. Uh, you can also find me over at uppercut uh, at uppercut crit uh, on twitch.tv slash uppercut crit and uppercut crit.com uh, where I am. I am the token white boy. I am also the token heterosexual. Um, so, yeah, you can find us over there. Um, and it's mostly everyone else doing work and me just causing trouble. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, you are the troublemaker of the group. I, okay it's forced <laughs> upon me all right i don't know i don't know if you saw the uh the uppercut out of context today i on did patreon. <laughs> yeah I did. that's the kind of shit i deal with constantly i'm not going to spoil it because it's for patrons very funny but i deal with that all the time kayla even said that she's going to stop bullying me for a week because she feels bad i mean sometimes Sometimes the white straight guy needs to feel like the minority in the group. Oh, it's every day. <laughs> um, and I want to thank you all for listening to this episode. Um, in the description, you can find links to Uppercut and their merch because I know they're still. You guys are still doing the charity merch, right? We are not. That ended in July or June. Okay, Goodbye. I wasn't sure because Je last time I talked to Jess, Jess was like, "Yeah, maybe," because I can't get it down. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot. We can't pull anything down. Yeah, so that's I right. Know, I don't know if you guys are. Are you still donating it to charity at all? Or I don't think we've talked about it because we were planning on being able to pull it down. And I don't think well, we've made a decision beyond that. <laughs> the links will still be in the description if you want to check out the merch because the merch is still cool. Yeah, because Store Envy is like, hey, COVID's a thing, so you can't change anything right now. Which is weird. <laughs> yeah. It's like you guys, like, if we take it down, you don't have to make it. Yeah. Um, you can also find links to uh, like situations that are going on today in the world to help out in any way with those uh, like petitions or anything of the sort. Um, you can follow the show on Twitter at com. I always do this wrong. You can find us on Twitter at comics matter pod Facebook, because I have to reach some people at Facebook, <laughs> facebook.com <laughs> slash comic books matter Patreon. If you want to support in any way, but you're not obligated to at patreon.com slash comic books matter. Uh, you can email me at comicbooksmatter at gmail.com. And if you want to be a guest on the show, have questions for guests, or have a story about how comic books impacted your life and want it read on the show, you can reach out to me on any of those places. I literally have messages open on all of them. Um, you Please rate and review 
the show anywhere you can. Uh, I don't think I've gotten any ratings, but also I never say this, so I need to be better at it. So do, um, we're also very bad at it, if that helps. It's just something you don't think about. Yeah. I just remembered, like, oh, yeah, people should uh, email me <laughs> the questions. <laughs> so I'd, like, start adding an email recently. Uh, the logo for the show is done by my friend Steven. Uh, and the theme is Join the Restaurant by David Zetsi. And I found it on freemusicarchive.com. I hope you guys all have a great rest of your week.